0: On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I got a chance to chat with Eric Bandholtz from Beardbrand. Man, such a great conversation. Uh, I always love having other podcasters on the podcast as well because uh, they're just so good on the mic and he really brought so much value uh, to this conversation. There's too much to even get into here. Uh, Just have a listen to this episode. You guys are going to love this one. Today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-commerce Brand is brought to you by Mindful Marketing. At Mindful Marketing, they use ads to get you off using ads. Most e-commerce brands rely heavily on Facebook, Google, Snapchat, Twitter, and all the other paid platforms for the majority of their revenue. At Mindful Marketing, they use paid ads to help you build a community of loyal and repeat customers that will exist long after Facebook and Google do. In fact, Mindful Marketing wants to offer you a free e-commerce growth plan that they normally charge $500 for. A recent growth plan customer said, our ROAS tripled overnight after implementing their tactics. These guys are no joke at Mindful Marketing Co. So go to mindfulmarketing.co slash grow to claim your free e-commerce growth plan today. Now on to today's episode. All right, I am here with Eric Bandholz from Beardbrand. Welcome to Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. What's going on, man? Happy to be yeah. here. <laughs> it's, it's nice to have you. It's actually, it's a little intimidating because you have a better audio and video setup than I do. So I'm thinking like, I'm gonna have to step up my game
1: here pretty soon. Yeah, I, I can share all the secrets. We could talk about that today, how to, <laughs> how to build an amazing studio.
0: That's what we'll talk about, Secrets to Scaling Your uh, Audio and Video Studio.
1: <laughs> well, you know, it matters, right? All the, all the small details matter.
0: Oh, it, it totally does. I mean, it takes it from sort of amateur level, uh, definitely into you know pro amateur, <laughs> at least. <laughs> I mean, these days this is better than like I see on Jimmy Kimmel when he's interviewing people. So. <laughs> oh so. uh, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, you know, I'm going to put that on my uh, LinkedIn bio. <laughs> Today, better Jordan that, said. <laughs> better remote camera setup than what you see on Jimmy Kimmel.
0: Exactly. So, Eric, tell us a little bit about who you are and, and what you do.
1: Yeah, I'm uh, the founder of Beard Brand. Beard Brand's a men's grooming company that uh, obviously focuses on beard care, but we've grown beyond the beard and and do anything that any guy can imagine from a grooming routine from your head to toe. So, we're talking shampoo, conditioner, uh, body wash, anything to to help with the styling as well. So, if you could see my amazing hair right now, it's all Beard Brand products. Oh, yeah. And um and we've been able to uh, bootstrap our business to a uh, seven-figure business, upper seven-figure business through uh Primarily organic content, uh, as well as mixing in um, email marketing, of course, paid marketing, uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Google, uh, jazz, and um, yeah, and just trying to deliver an exceptional experience to our customers.
0: Let's talk on the organic side because before we started recording, we were chatting a little bit about about your YouTube following. So you guys have about a million and a half subscribers. On, on YouTube. How did that come to be? Can you walk me through like, how does one get those subscribers? First of all, that many subscribers, what sort of content are you putting out? And second, what sort of impact does that actually have on your business?
1: Yeah. A little more background about our YouTube presence. We have uh, we have two YouTube channels. Uh, one's called Beard Brand and one's called Beard Brand Alliance. We uh, split off our channels uh, September of 2000, uh, last year, 2019, to kind of react to the changes in the YouTube algorithm. So we've been creating content on YouTube since 2012. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it was even before we started selling products. So we started selling products in January of 2013. And I know a lot of like, uh, young entrepreneurs are like, Oh, yeah, he he built a giant following. And that's how he's able to start the business. Well, you know, a year after starting our YouTube channel, I think we had like 300 subscribers or something like that. Yeah. Nothing, nothing to drive a, a seven figure business. So really, we grew our YouTube channel alongside the company. So kind of as the YouTube channel grew, our, our company grew as well. In the early days, we just threw up everything. Your brand's mission is to make men awesome. In the early days, uh, kind of our tagline was change away society views beardsmen. I didn't fall into the traditional stereotype of what a bearded guy was. You know, back in 2011, you know, even before that, when I grew my beard out, you always thought of like lumberjacks and hippies and vagabonds, Duck Dynasty, you know, ZZ Top, all these like... Mega dope dudes, but also like these hands were meant for keyboards.
0: (laughs) Well, they are now. (laughs) Yeah,
1: They don't have a single callus on them. So um, I realized there's this whole community of guys who, you know, really didn't feel like they could grow facial hair you know, this was 2011, 2012, there's a lot of pressures, like the doctors, the lawyers, the entrepreneurs, the business people, the salespeople, yeah. it, you know, in corporate America, you were really pressured to look a certain way. And it was a completely shaved face and a side part haircut and a suit and tie, which kind of eased up to a polo and khakis, but the facial hair didn't ease up. Yeah. And uh, after attending this event, I realized there's a whole community of guys who fit, the, fit this, you know, like, this community of like-minded people. We ended up uh, coining the term urban beardsman" to kind of describe who I was. And, uh, you know, hopefully people resonated with that and it turns out there's a few other Urban Beardsmen out there. And we really just focus on our content to help Urban Beardsmen on their journey, finding their own style and, and using that journey of, of finding their style as a catalyst for confidence to be able to, you know, support themselves, support them, family, support their community, their their careers. And ultimately the goal is to make the world a better place from the ground up through self investment. So our YouTube channel, we I always had that vision, right? I always had that vision. of of building a community and supporting our our customers. I actually didn't know what the products were going to be or how we would to it in the early days i had this vision that it would be like uh, shoes and apparel and accessories and wallets and things like that i was thinking like you know how vans is for skaters or how lululemon is for yoga beard brand was going to be that for urban beardsmen and uh you know subsequently because i didn't know how to manufacture apparel which you you might have a little uh better experience <laughs> a little too much
0: experience in. <laughs>
1: Uh, or in the margins are real slim in apparel as well. So, uh, ended up selling grooming products and, um, I would make videos that are, of course are related to grooming and the products just kind of naturally fell in there. So, like I said, in those early days, we were testing everything. I had all sorts of like weird videos and, uh, no, no strategy or no vision for YouTube at all. It was just put content up, see what's stuck. And fortunately, we had like one or two videos that stuck enough for me to get a gauge of what will be successful on YouTube and what kind of content really people aren't interested in watching. And in in those early days, it was a lot of like how to grow your beard, how to trim your beard, how to grow a mustache, how to trim your mustache, how to style, you know, how to style your hair. So a lot of our core content on YouTube was very educational in style. And we kind of focused on that. We would still like intersperse, you know, kind of like entertainment or Educate, uh, what's it called? Edu, edutainment? edutainment. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think, there, I think there's, a little there's multiple bit of terms editing. for that. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that was um, pretty much how, how we created uh, the majority of our content for the first, I don't know, until 2017, I guess. So the first five years. And then uh, maybe even earlier than that, 2015 or 16, something like that. And then what happened is uh, we ended up in the process of always testing content. We filmed uh, Carlos. I filmed Carlos getting a haircut, and Carlos filmed me getting a haircut and be okay at uh, this really cool barbershop in in London. Carlos lives in in the UK, and uh, sorry, and and
0: is Car- Carlos is your business partner.
1: Well, Carlos is no, Carlos is one of our. Um, influencers I guess for gotcha, gotcha. terms, but he, yeah. he works he works for beard brand full-time so he's one of the personalities of our YouTube channel gotcha okay. and uh, we um, it turned out like those videos just crushed it and just like absolutely destroyed like all of our other videos and we're like oh well I guess people like to see that so if people like to see that we'll produce more of it so what happened is the beard brand channel ended up becoming like this barbershop style channel where we focus on haircuts and barbers and transformations and really giving you know like visual stuff stimulation to our, our audience and our yeah, customers yeah, yeah. and help them find the right style for themselves. And then all of our how-to type of content that we started with with Brand, we spun that off to a new channel called the Brand Alliance. And the alliance is like a, a beard brand community. So uh, a simple question and a really long answer. Yeah, long yeah. answer but hopefully that gives a, a little take in, into the the pathway that we've had over the past eight years.
0: There's a couple things there that were really sticking out to me um, that I wanted to sort of touch on for our audience. You coining this term "urban beardsman" is absolutely brilliant, right? Because, and I think that we can all do that with our ideal, with our ideal customer. We've we've got a, a term at our clothing company that our uh, that we, we, this isn't our outward term, but uh, we'd love to come up with an outward term just like you do with urban urban beardsman. But our staff often say that all of our customers are hipster Christian moms, oh, okay. and it's like. It really is true, like that's exactly who our demographic is that come in. <laughs> Hipster yeah. Christian moms. And so it's it's really good to know those people and actually serve those people like you're doing, right? So everything that you are doing is serving the urban beardsmen. And maybe other people will will be watching, right? Maybe maybe some of the Duck Dynasty type will, will start to tune in and that's totally fine, but that's not who you're here to serve, right?
1: Yeah, we wanna be um, kind of like not exclusionary but yeah. also confident in who we are, you know? So like if, if someone wants to join the party, heck yeah, you know, come on in, but also being like, this is who we are and, and how we speak and what we care about. And if you're cool with that, that's cool, man. Like uh, we welcome all sorts of people, but if you're not cool with that, we're not changing for you, you know? Yeah. Like, so I think there's, as a as a business owner, you always get that pressure to sometimes, you know, appeal to certain people or, you know, go after certain demographic or grow beyond your core. Yeah. Uh, and that's always a fine line, you know, because you, you risk kind of alienating the audience that you've built. And, uh, you know, heart. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, totally. So uh, let's talk how do you translate 1.5 million YouTube subscribers across your two channels? How do you take them and make them into
1: customers?
0: What, what is that journey like or is that even the goal of that or is that just brand building?
1: Yeah, it's, um, you know, we kind of go with the, you know, the 80-20 rule or the 90-10 rule, whatever it is. Uh, you know, 80% of our content is for our customers and then like the 20% or 10% is kind of promotional where we talk about. Uh, our products and some some of it's as simple as like we're doing a styling video and we're going to use our products so it's, yeah you know within the video uh and then some of it is like hey we got a new product release and those videos always like i want to say they bomb you know but they're they're not what the people are subscribed to like people don't subscribe to the channel to to get all the news on beard brand products and stuff like that we don't we don't have that kind of like fanboy audience which is okay you know like our our guys tend to be uh you know, a little bit older, a little bit established, and they have their passions in life. You know, family and life, and and those are you know really like they're kind of like normal dudes, I guess. Totally. <laughs> so, uh, so what we found is we do a post purchase survey on Shopify. There's this brilliant app, one of the best investments we've made. is called Grapevine, and uh, it's never heard of that. a month. It's like something ridiculously inexpensive, and what it allows you to do is have a quick like one question survey at the uh, confirmation page so we would ask we've changed the question over over time but we would ask how did you first hear about beard brand and we would just list all of our marketing channels whether it's like instagram facebook you know uh influencer marketing uh whichever influencer was And we found that about 40 percent of our customers first heard about us through organic youtube content so it's driving you know Multiple seven figures of revenue to the store.
0: So I think that this is this is so brilliant, and I'm not sure what when these two episodes are going to come out. But I just spoke with um, the CMO at Roan, uh, Adam, and and Adam was talking about we were talking all about attribution, right? Because it's such a box for every single, especially within paid advertising, right? Google will attribute the same sale that Facebook will, and and there's all this sort of stuff. But if you just genuinely ask people where they found out about you, it's like we're going back 20 years when everyone used to do that. And yet for some reason in e we don't because we just want to trust that Facebook's attribution and Google's attribution and Snapchats are all like telling us the right thing. Or even, you know, if we're, if, you know, we're a little bit more advanced and parsing it together on Google analytics, but it's really, really important to ask people, where did you find out about us? Like, I, I think that's, that's an amazing thing that people can take away from this is We'll, we'll make sure to put that in the show notes, um, yeah. that, that app, because it's, it's incredible. Like what a, what a great question to ask. And yeah, so it's, simple. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's so simple and, and you don't have to run it the whole time. So you can run it for, depending on your traffic and your, your, the amount of visitors you have and completion rate, obviously not everyone's answering it or like repeat customers tend to not answer it. They've already done it once. I, th- I think another question is, is like, what was the, the reason you bought? from Beardbrand and you have, um, you don't give them the other options because I think people kind of misinterpret that question a little bit. Maybe there's a better way to, to phrase a question, but ultimately you want to have your value propositions as the answer. And what's really cool with that is like, let's say, okay, I, I bought I bought from Beardbrand because you guys are ending scent confusion. Uh, scent confusions when when all your different grooming products smell different and, and people don't know what the heck just walked by. And so is, so got- is, this a, is this a term that you coined again? Yeah, yeah. We coined all sorts of terms. Uh,
0: Eric, I love it. I love it, man.
1: This is so good. I get, I've got a list of terms that that, that we've uh, come up with. We're, we're kind of creative people here. Uh, but anyways, yeah, yes, yeah. so like send confusion. That's the value prop that someone comes in. And then we could say like, hey, I, I came here because beard brand offers the best bang for the buck. Or I came here because you know like a beard brand has great packaging or, you know like whatever kind of like attributes yeah. about the business not like because i found you on facebook or because a friend recommended you don't want those kind of
0: no, no no well that's a different question right that that's the previous question that that you were asking right
1: right so by having like your your top 5 value propositions in there and no other option then you're able to really kind of segment your customers based on e- your marketing communication. So what you're saying is like, okay, we have SIN confusion, we do that. And then the post-purchase survey, we realize that people who buy because of SIN confusion, they're spending $100 AOV compared to an average order of $50. So clearly we want that value proposition to be uh, the primary a message for what we're going with uh and, and i made these numbers up there off the, the, the oh, fly. Totally, totally. those are the, that's the kind of insight and data that you can get by focusing on what your value prop is and just kind of like refining and, and doing kind of like fine details within your uh, marketing operations to, to just like refine rehone and, and get better
0: yeah. 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 Super interesting. Does that app, does that tag those customers with those attributes?
1: Yeah. So you can, um, what it'll do is like based on the the questions, it will automatically tell you what like the AOV is for the people who responded to that. And then it'll like dig down and like, look at all the orders and stuff like that. Um, But again, it's not like it's not perfect data because, you know, only 10% of the the people will fill it out or 5% or 20%. I don't know what the numbers are, but only a fraction will answer the question. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's got pretty good insights in there for for three bucks a month.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. I'm just thinking about how that'd be so great for like email or or SMS segmentation where, you know, if that was there, that the value prop that they saw within your company, that then you're going to target them with that messaging from now on. Yeah, I mean that. If only twenty percent of people are doing it, then maybe it's not. Uh, that wouldn't be as effective. But
1: uh. well, I mean, it's just you have to wait longer to to have like valid data. So it's just it's just a matter of time. Like the the data is good. It's just understanding like the reality of the numbers. Like you yeah. Can't- and there's always going to be like standard deviations and I'm not a statistician. I took AP stat in high school and I barely passed. And, uh, <laughs> so like, I'm sure like, uh, any statistician who's, I don't even know if that's how you statistician, any statistician who's, uh, listening to this is probably like turning over on their, <laughs> they're like, I think it's statistician guys. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even get a word right. I mean, that's how bad I am at it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all good. You know what? I mean, the the main thing for, for e-com store founders and, and CMOs and you people out there is figuring out the numbers that matter, right? There are numbers that matter and there are numbers that maybe don't as much, right? There's a lot of vanity metrics out there, uh, but figuring out what actually matters, that's that's what we're trying to get at here.
1: Yeah, and not only that, the other thing that we say here at Beard Brand is like directionally, right? You know, it's, it's not so much about the, exact numbers, but it's like seeing the numbers over time and trying to, to figure out any trends or movements. Not so much what the numbers are.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's great stuff. So 2013, you guys started. If you could, is that is that right? Am I?
1: Yeah. Well, the, the community started 2012 and the e-commerce started uh, the beginning of 2013.
0: Is there another place that you guys house your, your VIPs or your uh, your Beard Brand Alliance.
1: Yeah, yeah, the Beard Brand Alliance. So uh, we use that word in, in a lot of different ways. So we have the Beard Brand Alliance, which is a YouTube channel. And then we also have uh, the Alliance Community, which is a, a private community uh, online forums that we've built out, uh, that, that people can join immediately for, for $90 one-time fee, or uh, after their third order, they'll be able to get access to it for free. So, uh, we try to create this safe community where people can be transparent and open and as well, like cold, you know, it kind of filters out all the trolls and the haters and the, the interesting characters of the internet by having that, uh, that, that paywall up front. And we've really created like a nice little community on there of, of, uh, you know, I I would say like our most loyal and and passionate fans, and then uh, we also put on a, a an event, or we've put on an event in the past where we would allow people to to kind of meet up in person and you know say hi and get to meet them face to face, and that's always been a lot of fun for us.
0: Eric, you are brilliant. The paywall, I love the paywall idea. I've never even thought of that with a VIP group. That's like
1: yeah, most people just drive them to Facebook, and and I get there's always there's always like value in numbers, right? Um, So our community is a lot smaller, but I don't know, you you give them the opportunity to get it for free. So if they want to be loyal and they're the type of person to buy multiple products, those those are the type of people I want in the community too. So um, sometimes you just have to make things hard for your customers. Like you don't want to give everything away. You want them to to earn it and to to show that they care.
0: Well, and those are true VIPs as well. They've either paid $90 to be a part of this community uh, or they've purchased from me three times. Like there's there's no other way that they can get into this, this community. So do you house this community like on a forum, like on your website, or is it like an external site? Like how, how does that yeah, work? Yeah.
1: What is it? A uh, discourse? Yeah. Discourse is the software that we use and it's great, great forum software. And it's kind of a, they keep it up to date. So we're, we're paying the subscription hundred bucks a month or something like that to manage the software. And then we have a, a community manager who kind of gets in there and will foster conversation and, you know, help make sure that if people are delivering messages and, you know, uh, non respectful ways that we just kind of help keep them uh, honest, which is not a problem for us at all. We've got some of the coolest, I'm biased, but we got some of the coolest customers you could ever ask for.
0: It just sounds like you really do like, like, I don't know how to say this in like a non sort of trite way, but like you really believe what you're saying.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I, I could, I could ramble on about what you just said for a while. We core values, freedom, hunger, and trust. And the big reason we're in this business is because we see the world in a very, specific way. And and we want to curate a, a world around us. And when I say we, me and my, I have two business partners. Uh, and then of course the team at Beard brand they, they all live by the same core values. You don't have to live a world that you don't enjoy, right? You don't have to, to be unhappy at work. You don't have to have a business that you despise. You don't have to have co-founders that you don't like you can create an amazing place and, and like enjoy the journey. And that's what we're trying to do at Beard Brand. It's not try to grow something to sell, to get on the cover of Forbes magazine or, you know, be the next unicorn or, uh, you know, like cut margins at all costs or, you know, like kind of the things that a, a lot of entrepreneurs, I, I think, feel like they have to do. Um, but we're just trying to build a sustainable, profitable business. And once we hit uh, $3 million in revenue, we realized that, all the needs that we have as founders are met. Like I got a roof over my head, food on the table. Um, You know, I can drive a car, you know, like I don't have to worry about, you know, paying bills and stuff like that. And I I drive a Subaru, right? I I don't drive a Lambo. I'm not buying helicopters. Like my goal is not to uh, accumulate tons of material possessions. So my goal is freedom, right? Totally. And then the hunger is just my, my drive to improve. So that's what I want. Like I want that freedom so much more than I want you know, fancy equipment or all the other things that, that kind of creep into to our lives over time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And for, for those of you who are listening and I, I know there's, there's some of you who are kind of getting into that seven, eight figure sort of range. Don't fall into that trap. Do not fall into that trap of you know having to buy a three hundred thousand dollar vehicle to to prove that you're successful. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. And also, it's it's weird for your other friends who aren't business owners and and make good money. It's I don't know. We're we're definitely in that in that. Yeah, of-
1: you. The thing is, like, yeah, if that really brings value to your life, and there's a community, because I, I know there's a lot of communities like around Lambos, and so I don't want to poo-poo people who go that direction. Then they may have like super wonderful cash flows, right? Where, you know, a month's worth of uh, work will will be the equivalent of a Lambo. So there's no right or wrong way to go on this journey. I do think there are a lot of insecurities that individuals have, myself included, that I'll always have to remind myself. I'll just be like, okay, do I want to get like this new iPhone or whatever, because it's really going to enhance my life? Or is it just because I, I have some kind of other like desire in my life that's not being satiated, which is typically like the business isn't growing fast enough or there's like problems with the the business and I need these distractions and it's like okay well that's the real problem let's address that and if I can address that and get that on the right direction then probably my desire for a new phone is is going to go away so I, I try to like have those reminders. I don't always successfully do it, but uh, you know, that's part of life, right?
0: I think just being mindful of it is success in itself, right? Or, or is is some sort of form of success and and knowing that like we all have the same sort of trappings and and we're all deficient in some areas. So um, Eric, I, I got to ask you the question I ask everybody who comes on, what is your secret to scaling?
1: I wish there was like one secret, right? I, I feel like the things that I learned over the past eight years and this isn't new everyone's always talked about is it. like the the first million you can do by yourself or with your co-founders or with like a really small team like up to two or three you don't have to build any kind of structure you don't have to build any kind of strategy you can just be a fucking badass And there's a lot of badasses out there and um but well, what gets hard like when you talk about scaling, when you talk about going from that 1 million to 10 million, you know, you have to learn how to be a manager. You have to learn how to hire. You have to learn how to build systems and processes. You can no longer be, I mean, you have to be a badass, but you have to be a different kind of badass. Totally. And I would say (laughs) like that would be a different level of badass. (laughs) Yeah. I would say like that would be the the secret of scaling is really understanding how to hire people, how to give them direction, how to help them understand the mission of the organization, how to make sure that they're following the core values. and, And then helping them know the metrics that uh, are indicators to them if they're being successful or not successful in their role. And, you know, creating metrics or KPIs, key performance indicators that really align with growing the business. And that stuff's really, for me, that's like really hard and I wish I was better at.
0: I feel like, and I, I have this conversation with a lot of founders uh, on the podcast. Within, uh, we're starting a mastermind right now as well. And I think that the issue with a lot of e commerce store owners is that they didn't come from a business background, right? They don't know what it's like. Like my wife and I, we joke around now. We're you know sort of mid seven figures, hopefully eight next year, and we're like, we don't know how to run a business like this. Like my first business that I that I owned and was absolute uh, non success was a Mexican restaurant. Like I didn't know, I mean, we did like $350,000 a year in sales. <laughs> so, yeah. so I feel like there's a lot of us that are in, that are all learning right now uh-huh. what to do. And we're not, we didn't come from, you know, six year degrees and, and we just kind of got into the business
1: and, and learned. <laughs> but I mean, even then, like I've, I've got a marketing management, uh, major, minor in retail. I've got, I'm the one guy who has a degree that I'm doing the thing <laughs> My degree is my focus in uh, management was entrepreneurship as well. So like even then, like I, I still don't know anything, right? Like totally uh, until you do it. Was, like ten years ten years later. But like I've I've learned so much on the, the job, and and that's really like if you want to be an entrepreneur, like you have to, to love learning. And you have to uh, love solving problems and, and really like, you know, to a certain degree suffering because like you have to suffer to solve those problems. And uh, I'd like to say that, you know, a business stops growing. Uh, it kind of hits its peak when the, the leadership, the founding team has hit a problem is no longer willing to solve. Mm. And uh, That's you really let's,
0: them- let's just stop, stop there for one sec. Because I feel like people need to, to hear that.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, and it happens in so many different ways because you, you, you think about like, okay, here's an entrepreneur He grew a business to $10 million and then he sold it to a mega corp and made a hundred million, you know, by all normal uh, indicators, that was a successful entrepreneur. But in my mind, like the business, it, it stopped at that point, right? Because he or she was not willing to solve the problem of their insecurities of the business going down to zero or losing the equity they've built up to that point. Like that's a very internal, like psychological thing. Or uh, they weren't able to solve the problem of like kind of that boredom that that may come along with like a, a, a larger business that moves a little bit slower. Like that's a problem to solve. So once you recognize that this is a problem I'm having right now, how do I get around it? And sometimes it means you just have like a skunkworks thing where you just work on small projects that don't really affect the P&L of the business that allow you to get that creative energy out, but it still allows the company to grow and prosper. So there's a lot of problems that may not seem like, oh, operational problems or marketing problems, but they're really like kind of psychological problems that most entrepreneurs deal with. And, you know, like Bill Gates, right? Uh, Steve Jobs, you know, they they started on day one and they grew it for the next 20 or 30 years, IPO, right? So I I feel like you know, I challenge entrepreneurs out there to like if you're you're feeling like your your business, you want to sell it, you've got problems to solve, you can solve them. You can figure them out. You can figure out how to love your business again because you're in control of the business. Because if, if you're gonna sell this business hoping that your next business is gonna be great, I got news for you. It's not because you haven't figured out how to solve that problem that gets you to this point. Totally. But once you figure that out, then you've already got an amazing business that you can just keep it going, you can keep it scaling. So that's kind of the mindset that we we try to have here at here Brian.
0: Oh, I love it. I love it. I feel like there's there's so many different uh, rabbit trails to go down off of that thought. We're running out of time here. I, I gotta, I gotta go to our lightning round. <laughs> I was just looking, I'm like, Oh my gosh, we're already here. That's, that means this has been a successful episode. Just so you oh,
1: know, good. made the cut hopefully.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. You'll make the cut. No, no doubt. You might even bump some people. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I'm i the type of person that, and people who have listened to this for a while that like, I literally like, well, absolutely every person I meet, I fall in love with. I'm like, they are like my new best friend. I love this person. I'll call up my one of my business partners later and be like, I had this guy on the podcast. Best guy I've ever met in my
1: life. <laughs> That's good, man. Uh, sure, you didn't sure. have those guests on your show.
0: Uh, oh, this is great. Well, the, let's uh, move to our lightning round here. Uh, what's a favorite uh, tool or app that you're using right now?
1: Well, I think I already gave that away. Man. I
0: know. I know. You've already answered it.
1: Yeah. Great fine. Did that okay, one. Three dollars. Cool. Best three dollars you can to, spend.
0: Right after this, I am going to download that. Though I think our CRO agency that we work with has something like that too. So
1: Yeah, and I don't know like it, it may be a Shopify only thing. So all those Magento and big commerce people may be SOL, but
0: Oh, they're not welcome to listen to this podcast.
1: Oh, okay. Only Shopify people.
0: <laughs> no, just kidding. You guys can listen too, but uh just switch over to Shopify at some point.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not sponsored, right?
0: Yeah. No, not sponsored. Yeah, not, not sponsored yet. Exactly. Exactly. What's, uh, what is your favorite podcast that you're listening to right now? And, and do you mind just, can you tell us in that same um, vein a little bit about your podcast?
1: Yeah. So uh, I have a podcast called e-commerce conversations where we just talk about e-commerce stuff with uh, other entrepreneurs and uh, I got a guilty admission. I don't listen to podcasts.
0: That's hilarious. So you're on podcasts. You have your own podcast, but you don't listen to them
1: that's okay I mean, well i'm a youtuber so if there's like you know like if they put it on youtube and it comes across my stream like i guess i watch like some joe rogan stuff that comes okay. up yeah, yeah, yeah but i don't listen to the podcast so i'm not a, am not a podcast guy
0: yeah hey that's okay let's get there's no judgment here no judgment
1: <laughs> i mean like i'm a podcast host so like it's really i judge myself like what kind of person am i <laughs> Totally.
0: <laughs> Uh, and that's really, that's one of the steps in in really discovering yourself is is once you can judge yourself and, and you know that you're, you're on the right path.
1: <laughs> well, to a certain degree, I also kind of like to be in a bubble, right? Because when you're in a bubble, you're creating things by your own authenticity. Like you're not affected by other shows or formats and you're able to just kind of do things the way that you want to do things and whether or not people like it, you know, they can screw off or. You know, shake my hands or whatever, but uh, yeah. I kind of like that as well, like I don't really follow my competition or look at my competition and what they're doing. you know it's funny,
0: we don't either with any of the businesses that that we that we own and run we like I don't really care what other people are doing i yeah, I like I love customers. to learn I love to learn and like i'm I'm really into mentorship, like I have multiple mentors in different areas because I really believe that like you know i'm thirty four and there's people who are sixty who know way more than I do, but looking at your competition constantly is just it's just a losing game and you're, and you're going to bring your, your entire joy and your happiness down.
1: Yeah. You can't control them. So why worry about them? Yeah. Focus on your customers.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Uh Last question for you. It's a a newer one that I'm asking here. If you could sit down and have coffee or tea or whatever your drink of choice is with anybody, who would it be? You've got an hour
1: living or dead or uh, let's say living. Okay. Um, I mean, I know the cop out answer is like Elon Musk. Cause like he's kind of a entrepreneur's, you know, wet dream with everything he can do. <laughs> like I, I, uh, I don't know. I, I, you know, it'd be, it'd probably be interesting to, to meet up with, uh, I think it's Michael Durbin. Do you know Michael Durbin? He's the founder of uh dollar shave club. Oh yeah. It'd yeah. Be, it would be good to like kind of pick his brain on how he was able to scale that business. Granted, they didn't make any money doing it, but it's still not easy to do. Even if you're, running a lot of cash
0: oh totally totally i'd love to hear that story too like i i think didn't they start because his dad had like a warehouse full of these old razors
1: that they had to- i have no idea like i mean to be fair i've never listened to any of his i, I assume he's been on podcasts before yeah though.
0: yeah yeah I, I i'm pretty sure that's his story that it was basically like hey we've got all this product we need to move uh you can just try and figure out a way to move it
1: <laughs> it sounds like a good like entrepreneur story
0: <laughs> yeah well and i'll tell you i've got uh lots of that product up in my uh up in my bathroom, so.
1: Yeah, because you're not using it. It's just <laughs> accumulated. You gotta get that beard stuff now.
0: Exactly. Actually, that. You know what? I think that's gonna be my my purchase right after this.
1: <laughs> in confusion. Yes.
0: Yes, Eric. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Uh, where can people find out more about you?
1: Yeah, I'm the only Eric Banholtz around. Uh, Twitter is my number one jam lately. Oh, uh, it is? Twitter's, okay. got a, Twitter's got a great uh, direct to consumer con- or DTC community. Uh, it's my last name at Banholtz. And uh, yeah, hit me up on Twitter.
0: Awesome. Well, really, really appreciate your time today.